Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast. And this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the Outing is Black and White podcast, the first feature-length episode of 2019. We hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Um, Unfortunately for you, Cast United... We, uh, we know they didn't have a very Merry Christmas or a Happy New Year. Um, it wasn't the best of performances home or away. Draw to Watford, uh, thumping off Liverpool and then a defeat to Manchester United. And of course, that was last night the my night game. I'm joined here by Lee Ryder and Chris Woff. Lee, we'll start with you. We did a, a seven-minute sum-up last night in Jim's Park at about half past 11, so anyone that managed to listen to that, well done. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to go in a bit in depth now. It was an all right performance until until the hour mark, and it maybe just sums up Newcastle season a little bit. That the man that they've been most relied on in Martin Dubravka was the man that made the mistake, and my night had capitalised on it. Yeah, I think once you've processed it and you know looked at last night more, once you've had a chance to analyse it, you know Newcastle really for that first hour, uh, I thought they were fantastic. Really, I think that the big problem was. They lacked uh, a quality finisher. Atsu certainly had the chances, good chances, uh, but be- because you know Newcastle haven't got that bit of quality Man United have got, you know Atsu. Um, sadly, you can't rely on him in that situation, and it's just a bit unfortunate that he can't either take one of the chances or make a better decision because I think on one of them he probably could have squared it to Rondon, and then he's, he's got a tap in which we know he's, he's capable of taking. Um, so not a bad performance, uh, but really, when you're playing Man United, you know they, they can flex the financial muscle at any time. That's what they did. I think they, there was a big turning point in the game when Newcastle had that spell of possession, uh, and they created a couple of half chances at the Gallagher end, and the crowd was like, you know, you, you felt something was going to happen at that point, uh, something good was going to happen, and then. You know, Michael Carrick, I think, uh, had a chat with the manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and then they just decided to uh, put the big guns on and uh, didn't take long for that to, to make an impact. So, disappointing from that aspect. Certainly not a game where I was going in expecting them to get something. Uh, but, you know, they've got to move on from it now and, you know, try and take the positives from it. But they're lacking that quality finisher and they need, you know, quality all around the park. They just haven't got it. I got a bit of grief on Twitter for saying there was chances for Newcastle to, to go ahead in that game and I, I felt that if Atu would finish one of those you could say three chances he really had then Newcastle would have gone on to win it um, you know the first effort he had to get got down and saved it was comfortable but either side of him it's 1-0 Newcastle Well early in the season Benitez in quite a few games where Newcastle didn't really even test the goalkeeper <coughs> excuse me kept on saying that there were opportunities in terms of what he meant by that was in quite a few games Newcastle have got into positions whereby they should or really to be testing the goalkeeper but the, either the shot hasn't been good enough, the final ball in the box hasn't been good enough, the pass hasn't been the right one and that is about decision making in the final third and Newcastle are lacking that. It was, as Lee said again last night, frustrating that Atsu three or four times broke in behind the Man United defence. You could see he knew how to get the better of them in that sense but then that extra little bit of quality, that that ingenuity in the final third, that's what Newcastle don't have. They don't have a, a winger who's going to create loads of chances. They don't have a number 10 who's going to do all that. And as much as they've got Rondon, they don't really have an alternative to him in terms of someone you, you can really rely upon. You just have to look at Kennedy came on, albeit Newcastle already losing, but didn't really do anything, hasn't done anything for a good few months. And Muto came on, and I'm not 
not sure he touched the ball really or barely touched the ball and that's been the last few games he's he's basically been non-existent for the last couple of months since he picked up that injury and he has been fit for the last four to six weeks but Benitez has barely used him which says a lot given the lack of options Newcastle have and it's just lacking quality they are lacking quality and and they do need reinforcements this month as we all keep saying but it's 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 the reality of the situation they're in we say the the lack quality but you know Muto um he has got the talent he's got ability you'd argue also that Jacob Murphy is in the same bracket why do you guys think that Benitez is just deciding not to use both them both uh very expensive signings in term terms of uh Newcastle United under Mike Ashley, I think 11 million for Muto, and then around about 13 for Jacob Murphy, two of Mike Ashley's most expensive uh, signings. Where does, not the blame lie, but what is, do you think the reason is behind them two not featuring? Well, for me, having experienced Rafa Benitez's managerial methods for the last couple of years now, if a player isn't doing what he's asking them to do in training, then they won't play on a Saturday. It's as simple as that. That's what Mitrovic's problem was. Um, Muto, you know, he's he's been asking him to do a lot of things. I think he did hint that um, earlier in the season. I think Rafa said Muto doesn't speak as English as well as he thought he would, and there's been potentially a communication problem. He is taking English lessons regularly, but maybe there's a communication problem there, and Rafa probably doesn't feel he's got the time. To, to get the best out of him this season, so maybe next season might be a better one for him when he when he settles in a bit more. But Murphy, uh, this season, you know, we thought he would kick on. Last season was meant to be when he was settling in. I remember speaking to him in pre-season in in Ireland, and he said, "You know, I'm really hoping for a big one this year." And you know, it just hasn't happened. So it's what happens on the training pitch how Rafa Benitez makes his selection. And um, obviously they're not doing it Monday to Friday and that's why they're not playing on a Saturday. Well, the Muto is an interesting one as well because Benitez wanted him last January and the club didn't pay the money for him then. And then my understanding of the situation, he never actually said this, is that he, he was sort of lukewarm to the idea in the summer. He actually had other targets in mind, but once Muto became available for the price that Newcastle were going to pay, he brought him in. So again this is a case of Benitez having targets he had, he had Muto in mind in January when he was struggling to get anyone last January I mean then in the summer had potentially loftier ambitions as to who he could bring in and, and, and Newcastle end up, up delivering Muto six months later than he wanted and if he had come in last January perhaps his English would be better now and he would be up to speed and it, it's all these situations where Newcastle just basically they're always they're, they're not proactive they're always reactive and and they're never actually making progress because they're always just covering their own mistakes they've already made. Do you think that there's a case, though, that the board, well, Lee Charnley, might actually might turn around to Rafa and say, well, look, you know, you got Lazar in, you got Grant Hanley in, Murphy, Muto, they were all your choices, um, and it hasn't worked, so why should we trust you this time around to go out and spend 15, 20 million on, on player A, player B, you know, if it's going to work out the same way as it has done with, you know, a few of the players he's chosen? Well, they can look at that, but then they can also look at other ones and, and see where Newcastle will have made a profit or broken even from the transfers that Benitez made. I mean, in the summer, they went down, they made a substantial amount of money on, on Wijnaldum and Sissoko, albeit in uh, instalments. I know they'd been at the club long before Benitez, but they still managed to get that money. In terms of net spend, Benitez is still... I, don't, I think it's just in into positive figures that he is in terms of net spend of the entire reign here. Certainly, he, he's accrued more money than he spent during the time in the Premier League. And I just think it, it's not a way to run a football club. If you believe that this guy is the manager who who is in charge of football operations, who is in charge of transfers, to just turn around and go, oh, well, you cocked up when you're saying to him, well... That the fact of the matter is that you're just not showing trust in your employee, and then it just it, it's a vicious circle, and you just everyone questions each other. There needs to be uh, collective thinking, and I don't think there is a collective thing. That 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 is part of the issue that Newcastle have. I think Newcastle in the summer would have preferred Benitez if he'd said, "Look, I need one or two players, uh, maybe quite expensive ones, but I don't need any other additions." Whereas Benitez thought he needed five, six, seven, maybe even eight or nine players to come in in the summer. And so the club didn't necessarily give him the funds available to get the quality he wanted. And then they've got basically average players in all positions. It, it's There's no joined up thinking there. And that has potentially been the issue ever since I've been back in the Premier League, probably since the January transfer window in the Championship. Do you think they, uh, there's a bit of maybe a point kind of scoring going on between the two parties? Because 
we know prior to the last few weeks, Rafa was has been very vocal about the concerns about the transfer window. We know now he is keeping quiet. But do you think there is that mistrust and it is leading to a point where instead of maybe seeing the positives, it, it, the negatives are going are gonna to show more in the eyes of the board? Well, look, for me, the whole thing, you know, it starts at the top. Mike Ashley's at the top. Does Mike Ashley want to plough millions and millions of pounds into transfers? No, he doesn't. He's actually said that on the record. So we know that's a starting point. Um, you've got the whole takeover thing going on. Um, he knows that if he spends, say he spends even £25 million in this window, he knows that he's going to probably have to put the price up for the club um, if someone decides to buy it. So in the middle of that, you've then got Rafa Benitez, who's trying to get what he needs in the January window. And uh, you know he's, he's kind of banging his head against a brick wall in many ways because he's gone there and he's putting, he's given a name of a player. Um, he's then getting back, well, how much is he going to cost? How much wages is he going to get? What's the agent fee? And one of them factors seems to be, you know, dent in every, every deal. Now we're already three days into the window, um, not long to go. Newcastle are notorious for taking the time on deals. Um, you know, I think the Lejeune deal in the summer previously, uh, I think that took about eight weeks eight from weeks, start yeah. to finish. So we've got, you know, four weeks here. He had a release clause as well. He had a release clause, <laughs> as did Fabian Schur. I think, you know, I did hear uh, from somebody in, in Spain who said, you know, they were trying to negotiate the release clause, which you can't negotiate a release clause. But So they've got four weeks to do something that's historically taken them eight weeks to do. Um, and yeah, it's, it's no wonder that Rafa's starting to show some strains and it's now the last four press conferences um, where he's, you know, shut the door on, on transfer talk and, and put the emphasis on the people upstairs to explain it, but the people upstairs don't normally talk. So it's a very frustrating, vicious circle. Just before I get you guys to anal- uh, give us a bit of analysis on why you think Rafa is um, keeping the storm, I just want to ask about how we mentioned the Lejeune deal and release clauses. Do you think it is a case that Newcastle are, are still trying to dominate a market kind of as they did uh, back in kind of 2011, 2012 when they were very successful in France? They were getting good players for very cheap deals. Goodbye then went on to be sold for 20 million after coming in for what, about four and a half. Do you think they're still trying to dictate a market which has changed and they're failing to see the fact that the market has changed or is it every penny counts? I think that the, the market has changed and that Newcastle haven't moved on in some ways but I don't think it's for that reason I don't think they're approaching things in the same way as they did during the so-called French Revolution under Graham Carr I think wisely they are looking for where players may have release clauses because you can get good value for money Lejeune was 8.8 or whatever it was share 3.5 two players who if they didn't have release clauses would probably be double if not triple or more in terms of that value so I think that there is something clever about that that's Benitez is also identifying these he's looking around and seeing what can I get for the best amount of money what so frustrates me about the January window in Newcastle is and it almost seems to get lost is there are games going on over this month you can Newcastle could well get three loan deals on the last day of the season last day of the transfer window sorry as they did last year but they're going to have played four times by by that period this is a crucial stage for Newcastle and also if you look at the Muto situation he's been in England six months and still hasn't really adjusted if you are bringing players in from abroad it, it is a risk as to how quickly they're going to adapt Martin Dubravka was able to do it last year instantaneously but other players don't and it looks at the moment like the majority of their recruitment is going to have to be from abroad and the sooner you get them in the better and that's why Benitez wanted them before January if possible so that it was done on on January the 1st instead here we are January the 3rd and doesn't seem like any signing is necessarily imminent. Lee back to Rafa and him keeping quiet now he has maintained over the last few weeks that it's his choice he did it again last night he said look I can talk about transfers but I'm decided not to do you think that is the case or do you think there's other factors playing on behind the scenes? Well, there's the old saying, if you haven't got anything positive to say, then then don't speak. And I think that's pretty much what he's implying here because if he comes out and says, we've tried for this player and it hasn't come off or Newcastle won't give us the, the agent fee to pay this guy um, to get this guy, then that's that's a big problem um, when it starts uh, you know, when when the dirty linen starts getting aired in public, then that's when it really does start to kick off. But I think Rafa, perhaps very cleverly, is is 
letting fans come to their own conclusion. Uh, I think that the Anfield press conference on Boxing Day, I mean, that that went viral around social media because just Rafa just given yes, no answers, you know, said it all, really. Uh, he knows that it's going to be difficult in this window. He's 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 pointed towards the people who are in charge. He's mentioned Lee Charnley about twelve times, I think, in in recent interviews. So that that's you know Lee Charnley is the day to day operator in terms of running the club. Mike Ashley's obviously above him, um, but notoriously um, very difficult to get hold of. In Newcastle, there, there doesn't seem to be any fluidity around the club in terms of things going well. Uh, we were told that you know they were going to back Rafa in the transfer window. If it doesn't happen this time, um, you've you've got to wonder about his future because he's certainly not going to sit there and take it again um, in the next summer and the January after that. Why should he? It's a massive change in tactic <clears throat> to what happened in pre-season with over in Portugal when you, know, you win the press conference. It was against Braga, was Braga, it? Yeah, yeah, and everyone was just astounded. I, mean, I think it was only you. And was it one of the journalists? Stuart Rayner was yeah. in there as well, and uh, Matt Raysbeck from BBC, who travelled over, um, and a clutch of Portuguese journalists at the back of the room. And he went on a massive rant, essentially, yeah. and, and it was a total different style to what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, um, he basically laid it on the line that night. It was an unbelievably hot and intense night to start with before that. Uh you know, up in, the, up in the press box, people's computers were virtually melting because of the heat. Uh, I think Rafa was losing the plot on the touchline. The players, of course, hadn't agreed the bonus at that point. So they were at each other's throats. They also got thumped 4-0. And then Rafa's asked to go and do a press conference to sum it all up. And then in Braga, yeah, it was it was very intense. He had, you know, Anfield, um, I think as I described it, one person was, was Braga light. Um, but we'll certainly see. You know, if he, he he's got another press conference like that in him, there's no doubt about it. But he, he'll wait until he'll wait until he knows that all the deals are gone. Um, so if it gets to the end of January and he hasn't got anything, you know, five days to go, then I, I do think he could he could blow another casket. Yeah. In the round of transfer window, there's always politics <clears throat> at play with Benitez and. He, I agree with Lee. Though at some point, if, if signings don't arrive in the next couple of weeks. I can see him blowing his lid again and it being a... you come out with a message, you'll stick with this for now in the hope that it does drive through deals from above, but at some point he will make it clear. He's made it clear he needs signings. He, he, he can't go back on that now. He's said it for several months. He, he knows that the, that the club need to make progress, so if they don't, then at some stage I do think we'll see. Uh, because he, he tries to... This is the way he believes he can affect above. During transfer windows or just before transfer window, he thinks, if I say something or if I don't say something and give these short answers or refuse to talk about it, that is the way that I can positively affect Newcastle in the transfer market. It may make the powers that be above do something and it'll certainly inform the public and the fans as to what's going on. So for now, he sees this as a way to try and get uh, Lee Charney, Mike Ashley to make sure signs arrive. But if this doesn't work, then I'm sure he will change tack and we will get another blow-off from him at some stage. Do you think it will work? Not necessarily. I do think that signings will start to arrive. I don't know how imminently. I don't know and what sort of level. I'm not sure they'll necessarily be exciting ones. So he may well do it, even if it is just scrapping around and getting players he doesn't aren't necessarily near the top of his list. But uh, I don't. I just don't. I certainly don't think it's going to affect Mike Ashley because I just don't think he cares enough. Unfortunately, it's interesting you mention top of the list. We we know Rondon was was one of his top targets in the summer. He had a fight and scrap for that. Yeah, he's coming on loan. The release clause of about sixteen and a half million is now no longer uh, valid. So Newcastle are probably going to have to pay maybe five, six, seven million more in the summer if they want to make that deal permanent. Do you think it is a case that when Benitez? gets the players he wants, who are at the top of the list, it works. And the likes of maybe uh, Murphy, you know, they're not the players, like Muto, like Chris mentioned, not the players who are necessarily at the top of the list. And then we're talking B, C, D, E. Um, And it is a case that if he gets who he wants, first choice, it does work because that's the plan he's putting in place. Yeah, I mean, well, I know for a fact that he's very rarely had his first and second choice. The list is... You know he's he's really towards the bottom of the list, and you know you can mention people like Hosselu, you can mention people like Mankio. They're they're like you know, EF sort of choices, and he's had to do that because that's the money available. Yes, he's got 
uh, the final say on on which player comes in, but he doesn't necessarily have the first say on on the players that he wants uh, because obviously the, sometimes the goalposts seem to move, um, and you know he has been offered players before. William Jose was was one of them, but you know he didn't necessarily want to sign him. So it's it's complicated as ever with Newcastle United, um, and you know he goes he goes into this window with not only the policy. Un, unclear in some ways, but also the takeover stuff going on in in, in the background, and um, you know, you, you just get the feeling it might not end well. I mean, Martin Dubravka wasn't even first choice last January because Benitez had looked at several other goalkeepers. Obviously, he wanted Caballero the summer before, but he'd also looked at various goalkeepers around the continent. And then Dubravka turned out to be a very good signing, but he knew it was taking a gamble because Rainer he hadn't played well. in the top league. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted Rene, wanted to be reunited with him. But then if you just look back to the 2016 summer window, the two players who Benitez said he definitely wanted, or well, three, but the two main ones were Richie and Gale, both proved to be the two players who really got to castle up from the championship. And Diarmi was another player he wanted. And not only played regularly in the championship, has become a stalwart of the team in the Premier League. So usually... And it won't be all the time, but usually when he he, he picks someone as his first choice, usually they, they will be successful. But we haven't seen him get many of his first choices recently. Can you understand maybe some of the logic behind the approach from the board? You know, you don't want to spend too much and be burdened with uh, you know uh, stages of payment over so many years because if it doesn't work out, you're still paying for them. Um, do, you, do you kind of understand in some ways where the board are coming from? I do understand that there's a budget and I do understand that you you, could, you can't overstretch your limit. No matter how much Newcastle would spend, Benitez would still want more because that's the kind of character that he is and that's the basically most managers are like that, but certainly Benitez always wants more. But at the same time, the market is, I keep saying this, the market is the market. You have to pay what the figures are and the world has moved on from three or four years ago whereby... Uh, an average player then would maybe be in the five to fifteen million bracket. Now, an average player, you're probably paying twenty million pound plus. Newcastle have never paid that for a single player. It's they've got a six, five six million pound striker in Hosselu. Well, I saw a stat today that they paid that twenty years ago for a striker. So it's it's just it's a completely different world. And the the Premier League money that they have, yes, the first year back in the Premier League, they'd struggled because they'd spent more on the Championship. They'd kept a Premier League budget. They did have a shortfall, but now they they can't. I just can't see any way that you can argue that they don't have the money to at least spend, uh, say, a couple of fifteen to twenty million pound players because that's exactly what they need, and they should have the TV money to do it. Because it is a case that Benitez isn't wanting one hundred and fifty million, two hundred million. He just wants the opportunity to spend what he's given on the players he wants. And one of his arguments, I believe, was that you know, instead of spending five million here, five million there. Why not just spend fifteen million on one one striker, for instance, and then don't spend five million on a second rate striker the summer after? Because that that would surely work. If this fifty million strike, fifty million pound striker gets you the goals, and it's it's good business. Yeah, well, that's it. And it's like if it's like anything, if you buy a cheap pair of trainers, you know, in three or four months' time, you're going to be buying another pair of trainers. So it's and you know, Mike Ashley should be, you know, well aware of that with his, with his background, but. Look, I just think the whole the policy in Newcastle. You know, you talk about the, the days when they're signing all the French players, and they were like really happy to go on the record and talk about. Look at us, we're experts. We we've managed to you know suss out some system where we can get Johan buy for this price and we can sell him for this price. You know, the French Revolution, all that sort of stuff. Now uh, things aren't really working out very well. No one really wants to talk. Even Rafa's now withdrawn his his views on it, and the whole thing's just kind of. It seems to just be sort of stumbling along to an inevitable conclusion, and uh, it's just a bit. It's a big. It's a big worry for the fans. Um, last night, I thought the atmosphere was. It was like apathy, really. Once it went, to, um, you know, certainly two 0 What you know, nobody felt in the stadium that Newcastle had the the tools to even scrap back and get a you know a, a draw. Uh, when in days gone by, at two 0 had they pulled one back. That would have been the worst scoreline in the world for Man United, but that just never looked like happening. And yeah, look, it's it's depressing, you know. We're going into a new year. You want to be upbeat, but you're massively down in the dumps because you know we've seen this before, and Rafa Benitez has seen it before. So it's a it's a sorry state of affairs, I'm afraid. One thing I don't really understand as well from the club's point of view, this argument that 
Benitez would probably have been given more money last summer and, and would be given more money this month if he signed a contract extension and then he could go and sign the players that he wants, spend a bit more money. Is I don't understand because then they end up spending money on players they not deemed to not be as high quality. So if Benitez does leave this summer, the next manager is going to be lumbered with players that Benitez didn't really want weren't at the top of his list. And so they're not going to want them either. I don't really understand the logic there. As Benitez said a few weeks ago, he said, I'm not signing players for myself to take home. I'm signing players for Newcastle United. Surely it's in everyone's interest to sign the best player possible within a budget. They're not always going to be able to get first choices. I fully accept that. But some positions you do need you need to improve what you've already got and Newcastle will just end up buying much of a muchness because they're not spending the money, they're not going in to that higher market that they need to be. Championship clubs are regularly outspending them and that is a concern because at some stage those championship clubs are going to be better than Newcastle and Newcastle will find themselves getting relegated again, if not this season, then, then in the future. Can either of you give our listeners any hope that you know, some deals are, are being worked on? Do you, do you think over the next couple of weeks before our live talk and he has a plug before our live talk and on the 24th of uh, January um, which where is that again? that's at uh, the wear rooms so you can get your ticket £5 in includes a pint and a pie and piece and all the ticket proceeds go to the Newcastle United Food Bank so great to help them out so before that uh, that that date which will be a great night do you think we'll see some signings I well I do hope so but I think it'll be from what I'm hearing, it'll be you know European loans. Uh, I don't think they're gonna like uh, splash out if you like too much, uh, unless Rafa Benitez is almost prepared to accept that the names that they're putting to him, that the the names that Lee Charnley may have convinced Mike Ashley that this will be a good deal in the long term for the club, and it's whether Rafa Benitez comes you know round to that idea which is obviously Alan Pardew was quite happy to accept that situation. Steve McLaren was quite happy to accept that situation. But if those players don't perform and the results don't go your way, then it's the manager who gets the blame for that. In that case, you know, Lee Charney presents an alternative list. Who's, who is picking those players? Is it Steve Nixon? I mean, who is coming up with yeah, the list Steve, of names? Steve Nixon's head of recruitment. He's the, he's the one who kind of overlooks all the, the scouts at the club, um, they've had the meetings, the shortlists have been there. Um, Steve Nixon might have an idea on, on a player, Rafa Benitez might not agree with that, and then it just kind of lies in the background. Um, now, for Rafa, he knows that. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. He's, the last thing he wants is another relegation on his CV. Uh, that would be disastrous for him. It would be a bad way to bow out. Um, if he does bow out, that is. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I think that you know there is names in the back room we've already been linked with at least a dozen players uh, in the last couple of weeks. But Rafa's been ready since the start of December to do deals, and Newcastle just haven't. You know, you should have a deal ready on January the first, um, but they didn't do it. The deal I should have had ready on January the first was Miguel Almiron as well. They scouted him for a long period of time. They know how much they've got to pay for him. Uh, the MLS season finished two and a half, three weeks ago. He could have been on Tyneside, fully fit, ready, have been on Tyneside a week or so before the end of the win- uh, this window started, sorry. Could have been ready in position. Benitez rates him, Benitez wants him. And Newcastle are still just at the negotiation stage. And by negotiation stage, I, mean, I don't mean making an offer. I mean, they're just in discussions, even though they've been made aware of exactly the funds that could and should be there. That's... Miguel Amiron is top of the list of attack midfielders. There are players 
elsewhere who Benitez has on the list. But that was the first one. And the problem is, as soon as if you, if they don't make a quick decision on whether they're going to go off their first target, the issue is they're then have to go into the negotiation process for each of these further down the list. And as Lee says, with Newcastle, this takes a heck of a long time, a heck of a lot longer than it should. And so it just drags on and on and on. And rather than having attacking midfielder ticked off, that's one position sorted. Everyone's got a bit of a boost. Miguel Almiron's arrived, hopefully produces on the pitch, but Newcastle have broken a transfer record. Let's move on to signing a left wing back. Let's move on to signing a striker, whatever. Instead, we're sitting here the 3rd of January. There's a gloom on Tyneside at the moment because nothing's going well. There's nothing to be positive about, really. And they still haven't resolved any of the issues they need to sort out in the January transfer window, never mind all the other myriad issues there are at the club. Because, Lee, it is... You could probably argue that it is three, four signs away from being in an alright transfer window and and, being, and then having a squad which could quite comfortably finish mid-table. I mean, like Chris has mentioned, a wing-back, a number 10, a winger and probably another forward, um, if, if if we're lucky, um, would, would do it, wouldn't it? It would improve the, the squad drastically and, and, and make for a much... Uh, Hopefully, a happier season. It would improve the chances, but it, you know, it, you also got to remember it would take some time for these players to to get bedded in. And you know, Muto is a great example how long it's taken him. So Newcastle, we're past the halfway stage now. They still need a, a really fair quarter of points to, to stay up. Uh, it's not going to be easy, um, but yeah, it would it would improve it? But th- this is the thing. It's like. They needed to act quicker. They need to act quicker in the summer. If they if they'd worked properly in the summer, then they wouldn't. You wouldn't be relying on the January transfer window. And this is the problem. And this is why it's a vicious circle at the club because, you know, they then go into you know another summer window where they might not be prepared or they might have to have a different manager. I mean, who's going to follow? Imagine being the guy who comes in after Rafa Benitez, and you don't get it right, and you say some things in the press conference that doesn't go down well with the fans you wouldn't want to be that guy so you know it's there's a lot of things to to be concerned about going into 2019 the summer is the time to do the majority of your business the transfer window in January is notoriously difficult it's notoriously expensive players don't want to move particularly if you're in a relegation battle you're unlikely to be able to attract the player you could and should have wanted and this is the problem Newcastle are being reactive rather than proactive it's been the case in each of the last two summer windows and January you can only paper over the cracks so Newcastle are in a position where they are fighting against it and it really is worrying it there's just an air of uncertainty at every level of the football club I mean mainly last night both spoke to Isaac Hayden who is currently at the club and is playing again but he wants to leave so you have a midfielder who wants to leave he's wanted to leave since the summer is now playing and is probably going to play regularly throughout the rest of January but he's still saying he'd like to move this month if possible the takeover is seemingly stalling or hasn't progressed as much as anyone wanted but there's no signings as of yet Benitez's contract hasn't been sorted out and we don't know whether Newcastle United are going to be in the Premier League next season apart from that everything is rosy and and brilliant on Tyneside Happy 2019 but this isn't the first transfer window that this has happened where there's been indecision and we're, we're, we're sitting here kind of saying, well, why haven't deals been done or why isn't there any progress? I mean, it baffles me, not just at Newcastle, but why clubs aren't working between the summer and the window anyway to say, right, 1st of Jan, right, we've signed, you know, Mr. Smith, blah, blah, blah. But with Newcastle, we've been here before, we had last January, we've been here in the summer. Why? Why is it constantly this? It, because it seems to be that mistakes aren't learned from. And this isn't just to do with transfers, but it's it's over and over again that the simple mistakes really they keep being repeated. Yeah, well, I mean, Chelsea have signed Pulisic ahead of the summer. They've signed him the second day of the January transfer window. I think it was yesterday that they confirmed it, and that's ahead of the summer. That's how transfer deals should be done. And I mean, they're thinking a window ahead, but even in this, it should be try and get it done as soon as possible. It is difficult. It it isn't as easy as necessarily you just get the deal done. Clubs don't like to let players go until they've got a replacement which is why January is so difficult in the summer it's different because it tends to be before the majority of games but still just the way Newcastle operated it, it is laborious and part of the issue is is the Mike Ashley factor is that ultimately any decision over a certain value I'm not exactly sure what the figure is but as soon as a deal gets to a certain level Mike Ashley has to give the say so yes or no and for a guy who's trying to sell the club at the moment doesn't want to uh, accrue all this extra money in terms of spend expenditure on players 
it, it, it hits that brick wall and it, it's worse than it's ever been in, in that regard. He's been on holiday for the, for the last two two weeks. Isn't bad. I think he gets back imminently, but still, there's been a weird point where it's crucial for Newcastle, and yet we keep hearing that Mike Ashley isn't hands on. It's it's just a, a, a farcical situation. It goes round and round and round, and unfortunately, it doesn't get any better. What is your understanding of the actual transfer policy at Newcastle? Is it there isn't a budget, but there is money there for the right player, or is it you know with the takeover stuff, you know we're just not going to spend any money? I think if if there's a player who um, could end up being worth thirty plus million, and you can get him for about five million, then you can have him. Um, if there's a player who's available for nothing and you know doesn't want too much money, you can have him. If it's on loan and it's a one million fee, you can sign him. Um, things like that, you know, it's 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 all low budget. I've I've said it before. Uh, you know, Rafa's he's shopping in the bargain basement. Um, you know, or you know, Newcastle very much allured by the prospect of. Uh, of, of signing a player who's going to be another Andy Carroll, uh, you know Murphy being the, the exact exa- great example of that. The signing of a ten million because they were sold this dream that he could go on to to play and be a fifty sixty million pound player. Uh, it just hasn't happened for him so far. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon either. So yeah, it's it's not a. It, it's great if you've got a, a club where they've got the ambition and the prepared list and the manager. But all these, you know, you could probably write a great eleven of players that Rafa Benitez could have signed, uh, and, and have a look at where they could be in the league. But they just haven't, you know, as you say, had that trust in the manager to to give them what he wants. But in, in terms of the way that we understand that it works, well, my understanding is that Benitez would like to have a definitive budget. He'd like to be told ahead of January, you have X million to do with it what you want. Whereas the club themselves prefer to work on the basis that don't think about a specific budget it's not about a set number every player has a different price and for us it depends on the certain player so you may identify a winger who's worth 15 million that's how much we'd have to pay for him but we won't pay that because we don't think he's worth it but in the same window there may be a player we'd have to pay 25 million for Mm. and we will sanction that because we think that he could be worth more in the future that is how we're led to believe that it works Obviously, Newcastle have never broken their transfer record under Mike Ashley, so until they actually do spend a significant sum like that, there's always going to be the doubt that will they ever really sanction a deal of, of that size. But I think that's where the disconnect is as well. Benitez wants to know, there's £30 million, go and do with it what you want, or whatever figure he wants. Whereas the club say, no, no, it depends. Each player has a different value, which if you need four or five players can become very difficult because if I was in that position, I'd be thinking, well, if I spend £15 million on this one player here... Does that mean I haven't got any money for these three or four players, even though they say it doesn't work like that? That that would always be my concern. Yes. I mean, the question I asked last night, I, I, you know, he kept saying I, I don't answer questions on transfers. I didn't actually ask a specific question about transfers. I asked in the press conference, do you know how much you've got in your budget? And then he'd come back with, I, I don't I don't answer about transfers. Not blaming Rafa for that. At the end of the day, he, all he has to say is yes, I know about budget, or no, I don't. And for me, that that lent itself to no, I don't. Do you think he knows his budget? Well, I, don't, I think it's that issue. I think it's the issue that he wants to know a specific budget, and yeah. they say they don't. They say it, and we don't think of it like that. And he can't comprehend that, as I struggle to comprehend. It's a different way of thinking about it. And so it's he wants when he speaks to it an agent of a player or whatever or a club and finds out oh you need to spend 10 million on him he wants to think right that's 10 million of a 40 million budget like these are numbers I'm just plucking out of the air so that's a quarter of it that still gives me money to spend elsewhere whereas the club say no you may you may be able to have 10 million for him but you may be able to have 20 million for him or you may not have 5 million for him yeah. it's just a bizarre way of I don't really understand how it works like that but that's how the club seem to want to operate hmm. do you think he knows his budget? I don't I think I think it is very much like Chris says, it is, you know, if the player's right, we, we, we may go for him. But, I mean, surely, logically, having a set budget is a lot easier than knocking on the door and saying, can I have this guy, can I have that guy? Well, for someone like Mike Ashley, who deals, who's a very successful businessman and surely deals with budgets in that regard, I struggle to believe that he doesn't, in all of his other companies, have a specific budget for the year that this is, I don't know, Sports Direct can spend X amount on whatever or... House of Fraser has allowed this on on 
on that. I, I struggle to believe that he's suddenly like, if, if those trainers become available, then maybe we'll, we'll, we'll find 20 million from somewhere. I just find it a strange way to do I don't understand why. But I, I guess if you look at the way, we're, gonna, we're not going to spend too much time on this, but the way he's dealt with House of Freers and the whole rent issue and, and trying to get next to no rates on, on, the, on the buildings that the House of Freers stores are in, that in a way kind of lends itself to the way he runs Newcastle in a way because it is all about making sure every penny counts and trying to get the best deal for the budget but not perhaps the deal that you know, Rafa Benitez wants. But that's also, he's in a position of strength there because basically what he's saying is that he just won't have, the people who are getting the rents just won't have a store because he'll just shut it down so then there won't be, they won't be getting rents. Whereas from Newcastle United, you're in negotiations with a European club about signing a player if if they won't if you won't meet their demands then they'll just go fine go away then we we have we have other people we can then do is the point though that he's trying to place a hand of strength in negotiations on transfers in the same way he's trying to do that in his other businesses where he he's still trying to go in thinking he's he's got that he's got that hand of you know card of hand of aces so to speak well potentially but it seems very naive to me if that is what he's doing but it would make it would make sense because that seems to be the way that he operates but I just can't it it doesn't work in football and. Alan Pardew said that Mike Ashley doesn't understand football and was 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 fined for and, and disciplined internally. Um, and <laughs> so maybe, maybe that is the case. Maybe it is that he just doesn't understand the market they're dealing with and it's just pure numbers from him. But Everyone would love to to ask him these questions because yeah. you, you do see a lot of things. It's almost a cliche on Twitter saying, oh, you're in the club's pocket or you're in with Mike Ashley or, or whoever. But nobody is actually got in a room and been able to ask him open questions there's been no press conference scenario where anyone can ask whatever they want I know he's done a couple of bits with Sky uh, but I, I'm imagining that those questions were pre-approved before he sat down no one's been able to just you know go in there and Lee Charnley hasn't done anything like that um, the last the last um, figure that I remember going into a room in a press conference scenario was Derek Lambias when Shearer was unveiled and um, basically everyone was like, he's going to read a statement out, but he's not going to take any questions. And then he disappeared off the stage. <laughs> and like Alan Shearer was like, oh, did we do something to upset him sort of thing? Made a joke about it, but then it obviously all went sour then. But there's never been an opportunity um, since Chris Mort to sit down and really, you know, quiz people on, on what you want to talk about. Even when Lambias, you know, before that, did a couple of little bits with the fans in the fans forum the questions had to be sort of pre-approved and uh, you don't always get the answers you want so therefore the fans end up coming to the to the conclusions that they're coming to um, we'll move on from transfers as, as positive as it has been um, we're going to finish off with takeover talk um, yeah, that positive maybe, topic maybe the lack of it you can tell we're going to wrap up soon um, but first of all I just want to ask about um, a few decisions last night um, obviously, the army came off. Shelby came on, um, and it kind of, in a way, changed the dynamic. Sort of, the passing was a bit more attacking. But um, I just want to ask: with when you played the army and key together, the passing is a bit more it's short. It's snappy. It's I think someone described it as a kind of tic tacky kind of uh, passing. Uh, but with Shelby, it's always maybe looking for that Hollywood long ball. Do you think that, in some ways, Chris? Shelby's style of play leaves Newcastle vulnerable? I, I think it can do. Last night, I think it's slightly harsh to pick up Shelby. First of all, because Modi Army was an enforced change. He had to go off because he, because he was injured. And also, I don't think Man United's opener came because of John Joe Shelby. I know there was the free kick given away and I know that there was... That, well, essentially, it was a mistake from Dubravka. But I think for the first 10 minutes that... that John Joe Shelby was on the field. Newcastle actually looked reasonably good. A few of the, the long passes he was making were creating gaps in the Man United defence. And so I don't think that Newcastle's subsequent collapse, well, subsequent conceding of two goals was because of John Joe Shelby. I'd question what he was doing for the second goal because he didn't react at all and then just didn't get back. But again, the game was almost gone by then because as soon as Newcastle go behind, they seemed to, to lose games, particularly against the top six. But I do think that Shelby at the moment, certainly over the last two or three months when he has been fit, hasn't been anything like the player that we saw during the first half of 2018. 
he does change the way Newcastle play and that he is always looking for that long ball, but sometimes you just want him to control the game. We just want him to, to, to a few short passes, just give me the ball, we'll make sure we next ten minutes we're gonna have as much of the ball as possible, we're gonna try and create these gaps and sometimes I think he just tries to too often go go for that ball. But Newcastle are gonna need Shelby to be back at his best because Key isn't gonna be here for another month, probably. So they're gonna need Shelby in the next few weeks and hopefully can rediscover some form because they need a bit of creativity in the middle. Do you think Newcastle have to change their style of play? Because with Key, Diarm and Hayden, they're kind of on the toes of you know, the opposition players. Obviously Chris said you no know, Diarmi's the kind of enforcer there. He does a lot of the breaking up of play, but even then Key and Hayden might pass sideways and start the attack that way and, and they'll put their foot in. Um obviously Shelby <laughs> did put his foot in last night on on Paul Pogba. So did. <laughs> um, but do you think it's going to take a player like Diarmi then to maybe take extra responsibility and say and uh, work even harder than he has been? Because I, I question whether Shelby might have the discipline to keep that defensive shape that we've seen recently that Benitez has set up with. Well, for me, Shelby's not as as good as uh, you know a lot of people make out. He you know he he thought he was going to be good enough to be playing for England and he should have been going to the World Cup. Had a decent season last year, did okay, but for me, you know, not the one of the quality, you know, Premier League midfielders who we'll be talking about in years to come. Yeah, he's had good games here and there, but you know, I always go back to the fact that at Liverpool, you know, Liverpool were happy to let him go, and Liverpool don't normally let players go who they believe are going to like really go on and, and conquer the English game, sort of thing. Uh, look, I, I think the midfielders, the kind of like. Yes, they're they're important, but it's about taking the chances in the game. Newcastle, they're not creating enough chances, and when they are creating them, they're not taking them. Atsu being a perfect example of it last night. So you know, until they can get that quality in the final third, you know, you, you can almost forget about you know the midfield and all that kind of thing because Rafa Benitez made it clear he wanted two two things. He wanted in the summer, he wanted more pace in the team. And he wanted more clinical finishes in the team, and he didn't really get either. So here we are in another relegation battle going into 2019. I guess, Chris, that in many ways then presents the alternative argument for Shelby that if Newcastle are lacking that creativity, then you can maybe forgive him for not tracking back as hard as Diarmi or Key do, as long as he at the other end produces the passes for the likes of. Rondono or Air Perez. Yeah, but he's got to start doing that because we haven't seen that basically throughout the whole of the season. He hasn't really been... I can't remember any game where I've thought John Joe Shelby's in control here. That's the one thing that's always been a concern for, for me. I, I, a player with his technical ability should be controlling Premier League football matches and I don't think he does it often enough. I think there's periods in games where he disappears or... There's, he, he tries too often, as I say, with a Hollywood pass rather than just thinking, right, for the next few minutes we're going to keep the ball. So that's that's the challenge to him. That's what Benitez, I'm sure, in private keeps saying to him. He, he keeps trying to improve him. He, he say, it's always interesting whenever you ask Benitez about Shelby because he always tries to be positive about him, but at the same time you always just get the feeling that, that he has the same doubts that probably me and Lee share about Shelby, about he's not quite at the level that he probably should be. Um so, it, it, but Newcastle, as I say, Newcastle are going to need him. That that we already say they've already got a midfielder once away in Isaac Hayden. <laughs> uh, Key Sung Young's not going to be here for the next few weeks. Modi Army, we don't think is too bad an injury, but Benitez said it's an injury he's been having to manage. So it's something that he does have an issue there. Sean Longstaff could come in, but Newcastle are light on options all over the pitch, certainly creativity wise. So they're going to need Shelby, and he needs to to really step up. And if if he does, then he can help Newcastle move up the table but until he does then he's going to be having a fight for his place which really he shouldn't need to given as I said the lack of options to have there mm, most certainly on to takeovers it's, you know, it's stalled the excitement that was there over Peter Kenyon is, is ebbed away I suppose some might say that no news is good news but right now it's all just looking a bit depressing isn't it yeah, I mean, we haven't got the option to uh, do what Rafa does and say we don't want to talk about certain subjects. But uh, look, at the end of the day, it's been up for sale for a long time now. Um, the people who have expressed an interest know what Mike Ashley wants. The onus is really on them to, to come out and, and put that together. And, you know, we do keep hearing little things like, you know, there was 
there were representatives uh, hidden in the crowd last night against Man United, but nothing concrete has emerged uh, just yet. I mean, I'm, I certainly have no doubt Mike Ashley will sell if the right the right price comes up, but it's about getting that right price. And um, you know, the the again, the onus is very much on the people who say they're interested to show that they're for real. And, and until that happens. Um, you know they've had, they've had long. We're, we're we're moving into the sort of period now where, you know, the due diligence should be completed. All that kind of thing. They've got to now show the for real. The great irony of the situation there is that Mike Ashley has his price and he wants people to meet it. Well, it's the same as Newcastle in the transfer market. They 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 get told prices like for Almiron. They've got to go meet them. Mike Ashley wants his price for Newcastle United, which is fair enough. But that that's how the business world works. And unfortunately, it, it it's. It seems to be a, a catch twenty two situation at the moment that he has a certain price, it isn't being met, or he doesn't believe that the the people who want to buy it have the funds to be able to pay for it, and so he, he's he's someone who wants to sell, but he wants to sell at a certain level, and for I d- I don't understand why there hasn't been more interest, and by that I don't mean in terms of I'm not doubting the interest that there is there at the moment. I just don't understand why over the last five, six, seven years when other clubs have, have been bought and sold, why Newcastle haven't been one who have been able to be bought, because I have no doubt that even over the last few years when the club wasn't officially for sale, if someone had come in with a reasonable enough offer, Mike Ashley would have certainly thought about selling, if not having done it. So it's frustrating, and we're now into we're moving towards 12 years of, of, of Mike Ashley, and it's certainly been an unhappy decade, at least during that time. Oh, certainly. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us. That has been the Everything is Black and White podcast i'm just reminded to go and buy tickets for our live talking and head over to the website as well for the details about that event and um hopefully some transfer news as well thank you very much hi there it's caroline foreign from owning it the anxiety podcast and this is a staycast from acast please 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 do follow the government's advice right now which is currently to stay at home where possible the sooner we all get on board with these measures the sooner we will be all together again while you're staying at home here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to i think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever so why not try the two johnny's podcast available on the acast app or wherever you get your podcasts